What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of the Justin Insight Podcast. As always, I am Tim Backbeck. I am a writer. I am a lover of films, music, and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm enjoying a, a weekend full of football and wrestling. It's obviously, people might be enjoying the World Cup fever. Um, I'm actually getting into it a lot more than I thought I would be. Um, I've watched... Every single match bar one so far. I missed out probably on the best match of the tournament so far. Uh, Sweden, uh, Sweden, sorry, uh, Spain against Portugal. Um, but yeah, if you're enjoying the World Cup, hit me up. Let me know what you think of the tournament so far. Um, but we are in the midst of our uh, a weekend of wrestling, starting off with NXT uh, Takeover Chicago two. So this episode will be a two-parter because we are hoping to have our money in the bank discussion tomorrow um first just want to have a quick recap of my week gone by and uh, well actually no I, I want to tell you about one thing about that happened to my week because it's the only thing that happened um i went to a comedy club during during the week uh, and it was thoroughly enjoyable um i've never been to like a small comedy club before um I didn't get picked on. I was sat sort of second row from the front, so that was a an added bonus. But yeah, honestly, it was really, really funny. Like I came out like just with the biggest smile on my face. Um, some of the jokes were a little bit risque, but I think that's just just part and parcel of comedy. But the reason I bring it up is just because I never experienced anything like this before. Um, and I know there's comedy clubs all around the country, so I just wanted to say if if you've thought about going to one and kind of been a bit sort of tentative about it honestly they're the most welcoming hilarious environments that you can ever sort of be a part of um the headline that we had was uh ben norris who has appeared on on what the week and uh a few times so it, sh- it shows that you can get this opportunity of of having um uh sort of bigger names i guess well names that have been on tv so so yeah i think and seeing them in, in, in a small sort of intimate environment is, is what i'm trying to get at basically so yeah go go check out your local comedy club is basically what i'm saying um apart from that as i said had a pretty pretty slow week so that was the most exciting part of it um so we'll get into the meat of this week's episode as i mentioned it is a two-parter um we are, we're starting off with NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. Uh, we have Money in the Bank this evening. Um, but joining me, as always, is my good friend Maz Gambadella to discuss all things, all things sorry, uh, NXT TakeOver. So please enjoy the episode and I will see you on the other side. Um, so once again, we are a WWE pay per view weekend doubleheader of uh, NXT Takeover and Money in the Bank. We start off with NXT Takeover Chicago uh, to discuss things with me. As always, is my good friend Maz Gambadella. Maz, thank you again for joining me. Um, how are you doing? As as discussed, bit bit fatigued with the amount of wrestling that's going on and qu- I guess quality of, of other products that. Of than WWE at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite hard because they are two very different 
if you're watching outside of WWE, it's quite hard to. You kind of have to remember or kind of get used to the way that they do things. Like yeah. when you're so used to something else. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, no, either way, I uh, I was uh, pretty excited to do this because I haven't done a WWE pay per view for, uh, well, probably the last time we did this. <laughs> yeah. And um, before we get into it in general, obviously spoke just briefly before I hit the record button but in in general I, like for me like we'll obviously get into the detail but this is probably one of the best takeovers they've had in a a very long time in my opinion so what what did you think overall um I thought it was it was very good I I'm not sure whether or not I'd say it's a, one of the best I'm not sure cuz I'd have to like remember other ones because obviously the thing with takeover shows is that they always deliver on like a very high platform you yeah. know um i think what i think i probably would agree with you if i had probably seen a lot of the stories going into it so you know for me i haven't been watching nxt tv show yeah so i was slightly detached from some of the uh uh, some of the feuds and stuff but um either way uh you know it was very easily digestible uh the matches uh you know for the most part were really really good um but yeah they yeah they all seem to just blend into one because of how good they all are normally. <laughs> yeah. well we'll get straight into it and uh we kick off with the the tag match uh for the nxt tag titles between uh, Undisputed Era and uh, who I'm calling Bold Boys, uh, Only Larkin and Danny Birch. Um, before the match even starts, I'm gonna <laughs> got got to mention Kyle O'Reilly is is my spirit animal. It just coming to the ring, he's just his swag was just hilarious. Like doing the air guitar with the belt and just kind yeah. of his weird like martial arts sort of warm up in the ring he's just he just looks like he's just having the best time ever yeah he's really uh he's one of my favorites at the moment uh to be honest they all all uh, the members of undisputed era do have this like particular swagger to them that yeah. like really makes them feel like larger than life uh so yeah i i completely agree with uh, that statement and uh, Obviously, they're meant to be the the heel team, but only Lorcan and Danny Perch ended up getting booed upon arrival, which I thought was quite yeah. quite interesting. Uh, that was actually one of my first notes that I wrote down uh, because I. So again, I I don't particularly know this feud going into it. So you've already established like your bad guys and your good guys, but the bad guys are really over, and it just makes the good guys bit like you know a bunch of turds really because <laughs> yeah. they're so cool and it's some it's sometimes my problems with like cool heels quote unquote is that like you're supposed to be trying to get the baby like i think that's what they're trying to do uh trying to get the baby faces over which they did and we'll get into it yeah during the match but um that can be a bit of an issue sometimes when you're like when you're a cool heel that the fans are really invested in it's hard to get the baby face over in that situation. Yeah, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Obviously, the the opening kind of maybe five minutes of the match, like the crowd are not sort of like every every kind of offense that um, Birch and Law can have. Like 
it's getting either a boo or just like no reaction whatsoever and but whenever uh undisputed era kind of uh on on the offense they're getting cheered out of the building sort of thing and it's kind of having the opposite effect that that you want it to but obviously as the the match itself builds i think the the turning point for me was obviously the the massive hot tag for for only Larkin. Yeah. And that just completely changed the dynamic of of the match completely. Um, we'll get we'll go into the match kind of as I won't say bit by bit, but one one thing that I thought this kind of showed was how good all four of these guys are. Like I I was going to look it up, but I completely forgot to. But Danny Birch has obviously been sort of part of the system for I think maybe five six years. And this is like his first kind of. Been there quite a while. Yeah. So this is his first kind of big takeover, and he did like he showed what he's he's capable of, like showing that kind of British style, but like a hybrid of that. Only Larkin just being hard as nails and taking one of the most ridiculous bumps I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, Kyle O'Reilly just being slick as hell. Um, to be fair, out of the four, Roddy was kind of the one that that fell in the in the background, in my opinion. I don't know what if you saw it differently. Um, I actually thought that. I mean, all of them stood out in their own way, but if anyone, if you were to ask me, like which one was the least impactful, in my opinion, it was probably Birch, to be honest. Okay. Um, but I think the MVP of this entire match was definitely only Lorkin yeah. because he had the monumental task to try and get the Chicago crowd back into their offense yeah and his hot tag were, his hot tag sorry was absolutely phenomenal because um, you um, there was a I can't remember what part of the hot tag it was but uh, oh he had someone in a single uh, leg Boston crab and I yeah. think Kyle O'Reilly was attacking him he just kicked like, him in the face didn't he yeah and he just like his eyes bulge out and uh, like he just goes like crazy yeah uh, and uh, yeah like I said honestly like he did such a great job to get these fans invested back into himself and Danny Birch yeah um, yeah so uh, yeah that bump especially was one of the uh most horrible bumps I saw during the entire night. Yeah, and it was one of those moments. Where I was like, "Oh, ouch! That looked bad." Um, so just to describe it, uh, only Lorkin was on the top rope. He was in the corner, and uh, he was thrown off of the the post. And yeah, he, was, he was pushed by Roddy, wasn't he? That's it. And he takes a back bump on the the edge of the ring. And uh, if you're if you've been watching WWE for the last couple of years, they we, that, you we, know, every day we know it's the hardest part of the ring it's the hardest part of the <laughs> ring um, but yeah he took this bump my god I, you could not pay me enough money to do that bump no and like cause I, was, I think I, I put it on Twitter at the time like it was one of those things where I was like I kind of felt like holding my back I was like oh god that, that looks so painful because it was like literally right on the small of the spine sort of thing where he landed and he didn't just kind yeah. of Land flat like he fully bounced off the off that edge of the apron as well. Yeah, and absolutely. I think like we'll we'll get onto the kind of the camera work of this show because there was a bit that did the camera work did the superstar a massive favor. But um, I think they did really well with and this and the fact that they didn't kind of linger on that bump. Like the fact that he hit the apron, 
was on the floor and then the camera just cut straight back to the action because obviously yeah. obviously Orkin had to like roll out of shot to appear that he was kind of out of action and they did like I think that kind of added to the impact of that spot to be honest yeah absolutely um like I said before like when when Lorkin got um tagged in like the pace like immediately got faster and like you know it was false finishes like huge risks and uh he did a he did a blockbuster from the edge of the ring out to the floor that yeah. was pretty neat um yeah like it for for an opening this I would I'd have to double check but this might be my favorite like opener to an NXT takeover that they've done yeah because uh, honestly the pace was like you got four like amazing talents in there um you know and they only Lorkin and Danny Birch I think really established themselves because I'm not I'm not too aware of their uh, sort of position on the TV show but it felt to me like this was like uh, them progressing a step up as a, oh a definitely board. well because it was it was weird because obviously they had that sort of best of three series like a while ago against each other mm. and then that led to to the formation of the tag team and they had like a a bit of a mini run to just to kind of establish them as a team yeah but this is kind of the first actual push of them looking to be rather than just oh they turn up every once in a while and have a tag match that they're actually going to be players in the tag division yeah absolutely and i could see i i could i could see another match out of these two teams um you know because i think they set a, an immediate tone to the match yeah um, uh adam cole especially was quite intre- quite funny uh on the because he got kicked out uh during the match because he actually interfered at one point yeah he pulled, um, he pulled um o'reilly out of the ring after they Danny Birch and Lorcan had done their double team finisher, hadn't they? Yes, uh, and the crowd immediately chanted bullshit. Uh, <laughs> they love Adam Cole so much, um, and also I liked I liked because when I was when we, when I, we went into this match, I immediately thought right, Adam Cole's going to interfere, which will get them the cheap win, and that's how they'll end it. But I'm I'm glad that they got rid of Adam Cole to kind of legitimize. Um, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly a bit more, yeah. so they're not just like chicken shit heel kind of things. Um, so I like that as well. Um, the only thing I was a bit gutted about was, um, unfortunately, during this show, uh, Mauro Ronaldo wasn't here, so they yes, got the two o five guy. Yeah, I mean, Vic, I I Vic Joseph. That's it. Yeah, I think if he was commentating on this match, it would have like blown it out of the water for me, but. Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant opening match uh, for uh, these two teams, and I'm really excited to see if these two teams actually face off again. Yeah, I, th- I think because I know they're they're building uh, well, War Raiders, formerly known as War Machine, kind of at the moment as potentially the next big big team. But yeah, I totally agree. Would would love to see this again. I know they they used it at some point, but there's they've had kind of um, Pete Dunne teaming with uh, Birch and Lorkin as a kind of a, a triple uh, a six man so that could yeah. work later down the line but obviously all the 
the Brit fans are, are hoping. I know it's happening at the Royal Albert Hall shows, but um, British Strong Style against Undisputed Era. So hope, maybe we might see that at some point down the line on a takeover as well. Oh yeah, maybe. I I just want to add. Uh, there was there was one bit. My favourite spot in this whole match, I think, was uh, uh, Lorkin and um, uh, Birch put the put Strong and O'Reilly, I think, in double submissions. Yes, yeah. And because uh, <laughs> like we've seen this like done to death to an extent, you know, after the DIY sort of spot. Yeah. But the way that they got out of it was really fun. I yeah. Thought, uh, Wait, Kyle rolled so, onto his his back and just started up kicking. Yeah. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, because I, I was kind of the same. I thought, okay, this is a cool spot, but we we have seen it quite a lot. So I was interested to see how they were kind of going to get out of it. But yeah, there was a re- really cool sort of transition into that bit. Yeah, and there was like slaps right at the end. Like, um, I don't. It for me, it just looks really cool. Like, yeah, so they obviously sweating a lot, and like when they do chops on each other's chair and you see like the sweat just like splash out (laughs) it's like you're like Jesus Christ these guys must be like absolutely shattered (laughs) yeah like there's just like they're just drenched in sweat and they're slapping the shit out of each other it was uh, yeah absolutely brilliant cool well after an absolutely insane opener we get another incredible match one which again the build I know Maz you may not have necessarily seen it but Velveteen Dream it knows how to tell a bloody story for a guy that is 22-23 is just incredible so Velveteen Dream against Ricochet um, again prior to the match actually getting underway we have Velveteen Dream coming to the ring dressed as Hulk Hogan which I, I'm not too sure how I feel about but some people loved it some people not too not too keen but what, what did you think of it? Um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty funny um, he, he was kind of like he was doing a mix of Hogan and Savage a little bit mm. so uh, I don't know I mean it was cool I would have preferred like he had more of a unique style rather than just ripping off older wrestlers I mean I know he did that with Rick Rude and that's fine but he just felt like a bit of a cosplayer yeah <laughs> um, yeah so yeah, it was fine. His uh, t-shirt said "Dreams Still Over," which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I'm not sure if you noticed that. What I instantly noticed that he was actually wearing a pair of, uh, well, Ricochet slash Prince Puma's tights, which I thought was quite good. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm, wow. okay. I'm not sure if they were actually his, or they were just like a variation of it. But yeah, it was definitely like a a callback to to. Wow obviously Ricochet's time at Lucha Underground yeah yeah that's cool though but um, obviously the match itself I think for me it took a a little while to kind of get going but once it once it did again I don't know a combination of Ricochet's obviously indie background and Dream just being able to tell a story so well worked incredibly in this match I think as I say that the pace was a little bit slow at, at some at the very beginning, but once they kind of started the whole one-upmanship, then that's when it kind of really started started going. And I think by the time we got to the end, it was incredible to see 
like just how much Dream is willing to put himself through because everyone knows Ricochet can do all this incredible acrobatics and all these flips and whatever but I think I mentioned it at the um, last takeover when Dream did the stupid spot off the top of the ladder like he's oh, yeah. he's clearly very willing to to put his body on the line for his craft obviously we'll get get onto the end in a minute but yeah what what did you think of the match in general um i thought it was good i like the story behind it it's very simple like i'm better than you you're not i'm better than you like it's just it's a classic wrestling storyline feud you know I, you don't have to overcomplicate it you know it makes me more invested as well because it feels more like a competition yeah um and it's interesting you were saying about how it took a while to get the pace picked up a little bit uh they actually mentioned on commentary and i'm really glad that i noticed this is that dream was actually using that as an advantage to slow the pace down because he knows that ricochet sort of benefits from that sort of fast pace by flying so to wear him down and slow down the pace was like something he actually was doing deliberately right okay which I thought was like really interesting. Um, yeah, like as soon as the it, the the crowd seemed really divided between Ricochet and Dream, so both these guys are very very much over. So I I, I didn't necessarily know who would win this match. I I kind of had a sense that Ricochet would, but um, yeah, the um, the pace once it like started picking up uh, was pretty pretty crazy. Hmm. Um, you know, Ricochet's a madman for some of the spots <laughs> yeah. he does. Um, was it this match where they do a suplex yes, to the outside? Yeah. yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like specific spots. Uh, I, I did like. I did like Dream kept calling him Bingo Bingo Hall. Bingo Hall, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though like uh, Dream used to work on the Indies as well, so but that was like uh, the story they're telling, which is like Dream is uh, better than him. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, like it was really fast paced. Um, for me, the I really like the end um, where you know the. the the way that they ended it with the the really high flying spots there, uh, the shooting star press, the elbow, uh, the six thirty, yeah. I think they called it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was it was brilliant. I think it was a great way to because uh, I don't know how aware you are, but do you has Ricochet had many? I mean, I know obviously he had the ladder match, but has he done much on the TV show? Well, so there was that. That was kind of the the build of this feud. So I think he did a promo where I think he was calling out Alistair Black, and then Dream was like, "No, no, no," sort of thing, and all this. So then that's when the whole sort of anything you can do, I can do better started. Um, and they had a, a match on on TV, but it got interrupted by Lars Sullivan. So there was like no no clear winner from that, and then they actually teamed up in a two on one against Sullivan, right? Um, and but Dream basically turned his back on Ricochet, and then that's how, what led to to this. So this was kind of 
kind right. of his first sort of main singles one-on-one match and obviously he'd already kind of showcased what he could do in the in the ladder match but yeah this was his first outing as a as a singles competitor on a on a big stage i guess you can say yeah yeah um yeah honestly that i think they are very much invested in dream and ricochet like based on just the way they were booked in this match mm. um yeah i i can't really fault it um you know they put on an excellent match uh huge fan of uh um dreams finishes the the ddt i mean ricochet is such a great seller like well, he this, sells this is something that i had like in my notes is that to take away the the elbow drop like the death valley bomb thing and that yeah. ddt just looks yeah. so vicious like yeah, I, I don't know whether it's it's because he's a bigger bloke doing them or the people that he's doing them to sell them so well but yeah they just look brutal well they're also moves i think that they don't need setting up that much like you can hit it out of nowhere which yeah. I think adds the impact to them yeah. So, yeah What what one thing I wanted to ask you what did you think of the kind of uh, copying of the moves because obviously earlier on we had um, uh, Dream doing the the springboard sort of con hilo to the outside and yeah. uh, he did something else oh I think it was like just a, the like the reverse head scissors and then obviously later on we had Ricochet doing the, the Death Valley Bomb and the Purple Rainmaker elbow drop. Um, yeah. Did, did you enjoy that element to it? Well, I think that was an important part of the story, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. I get because based on what they showed in the promo, it was very much a, a case of like, whatever you can do, I can do as well. And I'm better than you. That was what was kind of established in the promo going into it mm. so that made sense for me um for them to kind of outdo each other with each other's moves yeah um you know it, i i i realized that later on in the match that was what they were doing because i was just like god this looks like a, just a really weird indie match but then <laughs> yeah. uh, when i when i remembered that was the story going into it um it made sense um so yeah it doesn't i mean this it doesn't hurt Dream. Uh, I am a bit worried though that he's going to be the kind of Tyler Breeze of NXT in a yeah. little way, like where he's he's the guy that, well, or even uh, Cien Almas before he became champion, where he was just the guy to establish new guys. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of well, that's another thing that I was kind of sort of thinking because obviously. <sighs> Obviously, Alistair Black beat him. Obviously, had a good showing at the the ladder match, and then obviously now Ricochet's beat. I'm trying to think if he's actually had a win or uh, a takeover now. Did he beat? He beat Cassius Ono, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So he did have that, but um, yeah, yeah. but somebody kind of made the point of I think because now of the position where he is, that that if it's not kind of hurting him too bad losing to these to these indie guys because when he does finally get that that big win quote unquote is that the reaction will be massive for him yeah yeah i i hope so and i think they i think they know that as well i think um they they're in a situation they're in a position i should say where they he's so over 
that they know that he can take a few losses and it won't hurt him too much. Yeah. However, I'm just a bit worried that they're gonna because we'll get into it later. But like, there are times where I kind of just get tired of the same thing over and over again. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens, I guess. But either way, uh, really, really, yeah. It's I mean, it's takeover. Like they're <laughs> they're all great matches, you know. And before we move on, I do just want to quickly talk about the finish of this match because for one that shooting star into the knees was just beautiful um, yeah. and secondly I, I don't know if you noticed this but when Ricochet hit the 630 it was actually onto Dream's back rather than his front um, and mm. I don't know whether it was just the sound of the landing but it fully sounded like Dream's back just cracked oh. and it was oh, it just made me feel so uncomfortable <laughs> But obviously, yeah. thankfully, he got up at the end, and I was like, "Okay, he hasn't broken his back." Yeah, yeah, thank God. Um, yeah, I, Ricochet's finisher is like it's amazing. Like it's such a great finisher. It's almost like um, uh, what was Nebel's finisher? The oh, the Red Arrow. Red Arrow. Yeah, it's one of those moves that is like it's such a significant end to a match. Yeah, because you know, it's so flashy. Uh yeah, it's 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 absolutely amazing. Um, I I really like that, and um, I I didn't I completely didn't see that he was on his back though. That's uh, pretty crazy yeah. too. Because like I've seen him do that move before WWE, and he like he barely touches them. Like, yeah, yeah. He barely touches them with his neck, kind of thing. And that one was more like you know how Jeff Hardy does a swan song. Yeah. Now it's more like that. Yeah. Just <laughs> like land all his weight on you. Yeah, it did look pretty brutal, but um, we'll move on to, to the women's match. And this was, to be fair, out of the, the five we had, this was the one that I hadn't really kind of kept up with the, the storyline as much. So the the sort of promo beforehand gave a bit of context, but I think the the whole feud was a little bit rushed, to be honest, because I, from what I can remember, the last time I actually watched NXT TV... Shayna was feuding with Dakota Kai, so yeah, it was quite quite a an interesting matchup. But I'm glad Nikki Cross kind of got a, a bit of spotlight. Obviously, with the rest of Sanity being called up and her being left at NXT, I felt she kind of needed to be thrown a bone a little bit. So I'm glad she kind of got a, a, a one-on-one outing because obviously the the only other times she's been given that spot was obviously the. Uh, the last woman standing match that she had with uh, Asuka but but that was obviously quite a while ago so she hasn't been that prevalent within NXT so yeah that overall I've really enjoy, enjoyed this and I I'm, I enjoyed Nikki Cross out of most of it to be honest wow okay um, yeah I um, this kind of pay-per-view felt like so obviously uh, Shayna Baszler was became champion last pay-per-view yeah. and obviously uh Asa black became champion at the last pay-per-view so this match and that match felt like right here's your first person kind of get this out of the way yeah a little bit you know because uh, obviously nikki cross based on what i saw in the promo it felt a bit like out of nowhere yeah oh, i'm here that we're gonna i'm gonna feed with you kind of thing um i think it would have made way more sense with dakota kai um, but again, I haven't been watching it, so maybe they'd already established that. 
Um, I'm not a fan of Nikki Cross at all. Okay. Uh, it's not about her. Like she's a, she's an absolutely fine wrestler. She, uh, her character does great on me a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't. I can't believe her as a dominant competitor over Baszler. And I yeah. see what they were trying to do in the match, and it made sense because basically her uh, personality and her characters thrown Baszler off because obviously she's quite a bully but you know crosses showing that she doesn't really care basically yeah but i was just watching it and like maybe i'm just a bit have, have a bit of fatigue with nikki cross because i've seen us for so long now and by this point people like her would have gone by now you know yeah what I, mean? I get what you mean um but I like the story of this match. However, I I thought it was a bit lacking in a in some places for me. Yeah, I I kind of agree. Like as as I said, as I said, I think it was just kind of almost uh, a throw in a bone to to Nikki Cross to to that extent. And I think this is kind of again like I know obviously with with Shayna winning uh, the last one uh, we mentioned last time that was. For me, that was kind of the turning point of like, oh, okay, I get Shayna Baszler, yeah. And, but and this again has kind of enhanced like why they they have invested in her and why they want to push her forward because mm. she is just a badass. And obviously, but but in this match, I feel like she's shown that not a vulnerability, but like that she can fight off her back. Whereas before, we, she has been the the kind of the dominant one throughout. Um, yeah. th- one thing that we we've kind of haven't mentioned is is well we have a, a little bit but the the extent of sort of quote unquote scary spots that that were on this pay per view like this one had uh, two quite quite good ones. So when Nikki was on Shayna's back on the outside of the ring and then she just dropped her back first on the on the steel ramp that was quite a good mm. spot and then. Later on, there was the reverse DDT on on the apron again. As we know, hardest part of the ring. Yeah, um, of course. So I I don't know whether the Triple H has just kind of said to the NXT lot, like, do what the hell you want because these are sort of spots we wouldn't necessarily see on the main roster as as mm. such. Um, but yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Like, this match was a little bit thrown together compared to to the others. Um, it was it was okay. It was decent, as you say. Takeover never has hasn't had a bad match properly for for quite a while now, and and I think this did did what it needed to do in terms of getting positioning Shayna in a in a even more dominant position. Really, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I just felt like there were spots in it where Shayna looked a bit ridiculous you know where you know i'm supposed to believe that she's like this badass like mma submission specialist and she's like i don't know just like she has this woman like on her back and you know she's getting caught in the apron you know i don't know like it was still it was still an absolutely fine match uh there were just bits where i was like this is a bit ridiculous (laughs) yeah um i did uh what you're saying about the spots that um that they were doing and how it's not very um, normal for them to do that I reckon 
this is complete speculation now, but I reckon they probably heard so many like marks online talking about Dominion. And yeah, like, oh, we can do that. Um, not to the extent of Dominion, but still, it was like absolutely amazing. Um, what did you uh, think of the finish of this match? Well, this is what I was about to ask you. I I actually really enjoyed it to be honest because mm. I think it kind of, obviously it played more into to the character of Nikki than it did of Shayna because obviously we've it's it's been established that that what does she call it Kokita cut no that's what that's Joe's isn't it yeah it's whatever it is the choke that she uses yeah 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 that that's kind of her like this is the the end kind of thing mm. um. And I thought it was really well played out that rather than because they've established Nikki as this kind of psychotic, never going to kind of sort of let you rest sort of thing, that she didn't actually tap out, that she just effectively just faded out and went to sleep. But it was kind of like the... I thought it was really well positioned that Shayna obviously turned her to face hard cam, so we got that facial expression of Nikki just basically smiling and saying okay I've lost bye sort of thing so I, I really enjoyed it I thought it was a nice little touch and quite a, a unique way to to do that sort of yeah. knock, knockout finish so to say um, I, I liked how unique it was however I don't know whether or not that would be within her character like I get that like for her to like just to give up like that it just seems a bit weird i like the visual of it the visual yeah. was really great if anything it kind of reminded me of um, infinity wars uh, <laughs> uh no spoilers um but yeah so i like the visual of it but it just didn't seem to gel with her character because she's like this vicious like you know she doesn't i don't know it just didn't seem to i don't know yeah. it was fine it was fine it was fine um yeah um I think you know it'll be interesting to see where Baszler goes next because I really want her to have like this like epic kind of five star type match yeah with someone on the roster um you know because since she's been there she's been very dominant which is great but I want her to be you know um kind of you know taking on someone maybe her own height you know kind of like that uh, Mercedes woman oh yeah she... yeah they had a similar build and they had like a quite back and forth kind of brawl but uh, yeah so we'll see well I think because that was going to be my question was in regards with Nikki Cross but we'll, we'll talk about Shayna first so yeah I think as, as I mentioned there was there's been a bit of a build with her and Dakota Kai, so that could potentially come back again later on down the line. But I think what they're they're obviously looking at positioning Kyrie Sane as well. But something that I personally would like to see it it would be a little bit heel on heel, but they're really pushing um, Bianca Belair at the moment, right. and I think that would be a very good match because. All the promos that um, Bianca's doing at the moment are, I'm this supreme athlete, I'm better than you, um, like, I work 
to be the best basically and the matches that she's having at the moment they're not incredible but like she's showing that she has that she's kind of like the female equivalent of velveteen dream in the fact that she's showing that she has that potential to be an absolute massive star yeah um going i can't remember how long ago it was but she had a match with um candace LeRae where she literally um power lifted her off the mat and so that kind of style like that sort of bodybuilder style against an MMA style of Baszler I think would be a really interesting kind of combination to see how that sort of builds so I'd like to see that um in terms of Nikki Cross though I think as you say she's been around a while obviously she hasn't been called up to the main roster but it'd be interesting to see if she kind of goes on the back burner a little bit now and maybe goes off TV for a bit and we don't see her just because as you say I think there maybe is a little bit of fatigue in in regards to her yeah I think that's probably what will happen I'm uh, not that shocked but I'm a little bit shocked that she didn't go up with Sanity yeah however we still haven't seen Sanity on TV <laughs> yeah I've true told. Um, but I the idea of Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler is a very very interesting idea for a uh, match for me um you know since i saw her in the um the may young classic she just stood out out of absolutely everyone yeah. she has like a unique build you know she's absolutely athletic um you know her spot with her hair is really unique as well yeah. um she's like you know deceptively strong as well like i i would be surprised if they didn't, because I've I'm quite aware of the promos they've been doing on NXT as well. I saw a couple of them. They're like documentary style. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. Um, I'd be baffled if they weren't already pushing her like to take that title at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. And that, as I say, that might be the one that we get sort of down the line that that leads to Baszler losing the title. I don't, I, I don't know, but yeah, she's definitely being positioned in in that spot. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, Kairu, we saw her in the crowd. Yes, and, uh, with, with her then, telescope. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, she was in the front row. I don't know how bad her <laughs> eyesight is. But then we see uh, another another person. Oh, the the, the limitless. I basked in his glory. Mr. Absolutely Mr. basking in his glory. Mr. Keith um, Lee. Yeah. Um, were you expecting him to be there not in the slightest i've i marked out because i completely forgot that he he had signed um yeah so yeah was thoroughly thoroughly surprised and thoroughly happy to see him with a massive smile on his face in the front row yeah i'm uh very excited to see what um man they have nxt like they really need to like get get another show or something oh got, yeah the roster's stacked like on this card, you didn't even have EC3 or Adam Cole. They yeah. put them on the pre-show just as a interview bits. You know, like they've got so much potential with that roster. It's it's insane. I think the danger is though, because obviously they've got this stacked roster. If they were to to kind of extend it to a second hour or or kind of go down that route, that it would become sort of oversaturated 
and not make it f- sort of feel special like the way that takeovers do like yeah. it'll be, it'll just become like another another pay-per-view essentially yeah and it's think... it's just it's the conundrum that they have even on the main roster cuz like you know these guys get so over in NXT and then when they get to the main roster like like you say it's such a saturated roster that you know for them to be their unique selves and get over the way that they would on NXT is way more difficult yeah well we'll um we'll move on to to the championship match between uh Lars Sullivan and Alistair Black um before we we go into the match itself I, I can't remember if I've asked you this before but where do you kind of stand on Lars Sullivan um so my recollection of Sullivan this is from what I remember how he sort of debuted and stuff was uh, he was a guy who was teaming with like random jobbers like in tag team matches and the whole story was like he was frustrated that they he would never win so he'd beat up his partner and then uh, yeah he started getting pushed pretty massively yeah um, he I, I mean you could tell he was very green uh, very green like I think the last match I saw him in previous to this match was uh, against Chris Hero oh sorry oh, not an indie <laughs> mark honestly I just completely <laughs> forgot Cassius Ono um, and you know he was fine um, I could see why they they like him a lot but you know he was very green Yeah. this match really changed my perception of him okay he, blew me away in this match oh wow uh, okay yeah um just as far as the his progression's gone like yeah. he has improved dramatically since uh that i kind of nxt war games i think it was yeah uh yeah uh you know because i i saw this match happening i was like okay you know obviously he's not gonna win he's just like someone to you know um alistair black to <clears throat> sort of you know conquer and stuff yeah. like that to establish Alistair but there were points in this match where I'm like they might give it to him like yeah. you know so that that um uh that idea of you know that even being a consideration you know was uh, something that really sold me on this match and him as a performer mm. and well we'll get on to, to the match itself like because I think that's quite interesting because Obviously, with with NXT, there's obviously a lot of sort of the indie fans are kind of more inclined to watch that than the WWE main roster product. And yeah. th- there's clearly people that don't like Sullivan uh, for for whatever reason. But for some, I personally in this match, I think there was good points for him. But this maybe wasn't his his kind of best outing in in my opinion. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, somebody mentioned, I think it was on Twitter, when they had the the stare down at the beginning, uh, because obviously Sullivan is built as this kind of massive monster and whatever. But then when he's th- they're having the stare down, him and Alistair Black are actually the same height. So yeah. it was a it was a little bit awkward. Um, but yeah, in in terms of the match, I thought it was like they obviously were telling the story that. Sullivan was the only person that could 
stop the, that black mass spinning heel kick and obviously right off the bat Black went for that and he caught it again um, but the, in terms of the offence in general I think there was really like Black, Black is obviously a very talented striker and showcased that obviously with the, the double knees off the apron just the, the pace of his strikes and things like that but for for me I don't know I think this was maybe the the worst match both of these guys have had I don't, like it was still a really good match but the, I don't know just something in it for me wasn't quite there to, to make it on the level of everything else on this card yeah I, I can see that I, I I would say that this is either of them's worst match in my opinion like I thought that uh, his match with um, Almas uh, the first one that they had yeah. was uh, my least favourite. I, but even for me, what I take, what what I took away from this was that he, like Lars, I feel is progressing. Yeah. There were like really good spots that really made him look like, oh shit, like you don't want to fuck this guy because he's gonna kill you. Um, like there was a point where, oh, actually one of my favourite spots was. Uh, so black did a, a backflip off the the, uh, the the top rope yes and uh lars caught him and you could tell he nearly fell over but like he's so strong that he just like grabbed him yeah he's very slammy very kick punchy but i think he he's good at selling that he's like this massive like beast of a man yeah no i get uh, i get that yeah um so yeah, I, I like there was a lot of striking. Obviously, like there were points where like you know you kind of like grimace a little bit because like uh, when this when he was doing some of his strikes, they were really loud. Yeah. Um, so it it just I mean I I do think that this was probably Lars's best outing. However, I feel like this is just like a stepping stone for whatever Black's next yeah feud will be and. You kind of brought up something else I want to talk to you was obviously like the the sound of the strikes and there was um I don't know whether this was just Lars selling it really well but when he did the the diving headbutt off the off the top rope and the t- um Black obviously kneed him in the face like his he instantly grabbed his jaw and the ref put, obviously put on gloves so I think I don't know whether he legit like broke his jaw or something but. It it didn't seem like something was fully right after that, but yeah, well, he was bleeding from the nose. Oh, was it the nose? I wasn't sure where the blood was coming from. I thought it was. I, I wasn't sure if it was the nose on the mouth. Yeah, yeah, I think it was from the nose. I'm pretty sure, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. I again, like, you know, he's your atypical big man wrestler. Like that, he does splashes, he does slams, he does. Um, his like his finisher is like a, a power slam, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, like it's that. kind of like a like an elevated flatliner sort of. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but um, well, we'll talk about the the ending very quickly. So I thought the build to the end was really cool when Lars obviously went to go for the knee and Black jumped over him and double stumped him on the on the back. That was a really yeah. cool. But then we had the unfortunate miscue of the of the black mask kick, which oh, yeah. again, this is of what I was mentioning earlier of the the camera work. Thankfully, 
turned away turned away to to make sure it didn't capture it but the internet being the internet obviously caught how far away black actually was with that kick um but somebody mentioned again i think it might have been on twitter that because obviously that first black mass didn't connect when he did that second kind of running one that was maybe sort of uh decided on the fly and because of that that's why he put so much into it sort of thing to make it look like it fully did uh, decapitate him um but one thing that i wanted to quickly mention as well was that that last kind of black mass kick nigel you were talking about moro ranello not being on the show that this match and the the main event nigel mcginnis more than made up for the absence of that with his his selling on on commentary in my opinion yeah i feel like they probably did that deliberately where they're like well he's kind of our selling point we need someone to be just as overexcited because like mcginnis is normally like the sort of cool calm collected one during most of the matches but here he was kind of making up for the fact that ronaldo wasn't there yeah and i thought he Uh, did a great job of it to be honest yeah. Um, so where do you so where do you think these two will go next after this? Because I, I don't think they'll have another match. No, I I think Lars will be uh, Adam Cole's next challenger because we haven't obviously seen Cole defending that belt on TV yet. I think right. no, I know I think he's had one defense, but yeah, I can I can see Lars going in that direction. Um, in terms of Alistair Black, I really don't know. Like, I can't think who's in that role. Like EC3, but like, I think you want him to be maybe the one that takes the belt away from Black. So maybe that's a bit too early. Maybe Ricochet. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. really, I don't really know who's who's next for Black. To be honest. No, to be honest, there's there's so many there that could easily, you know have an opportunity for that belt so uh i'm not worried about uh black or lars uh you know i I want lars to continue to get better and stuff and uh you know like his character is just a bit like i've seen it i'm i'm kind of worried that he's becoming the new brawn of nxt yeah where he's like you know this monster but he's also the fans like laugh at him in a in a way but uh i don't know we'll see yeah um well then we get on to oh just just perfection i think is, is the best way to describe it this johnny gargano tomaso champa 2 uh back where the the feud all began mm. and just Oh, just everything about this match was brilliant. Like my my concern going in was that because of how good the initial match at the last takeover was, how in the hell are they going to top it without almost copying the last match? But yeah. these these two guys, obviously, I I I posed the question afterwards to to up to the Facebook group, but. Like I'd be interested to find out how much creativity they've been given in this feud, yeah. Because the way that this was told was just like down to down to the T. Like everything was spot on in terms of 
timing in terms of callback it like just yeah just so so good and i think people are obviously moaning about uh dave Meltzer's recent star ratings of the the kenny omega um okada match which obviously again told a fantastic story but this is obviously i, th- I think uh, that feud and this feud are obviously two feuds that we're going to be talking about for years i think in terms of our generation looking back at wrestling um but yeah it was just so good like the spots were incredible the callbacks were incredible um and the way it ended i I was just so happy that that, that's the way that it went because i think with with the kind of false finish that they had like everybody was like kind of saying oh no everybody thought that johnny was going to win like the way they did it I think works fantastically so yeah I, I've waxed lyrical enough what, what did you think um yeah I I really enjoyed it um I liked the story going into it I have to say I am a bit storyline fatigued from this now right like, okay I'm kind of done with Champer and Gargano at this point uh despite the match being amazing it's just I don't know I'm just kind of done with it now i'd like them to go their separate ways at this point yeah um but obviously the based on the way that this ended we're gonna get a third match yeah um which is which is fine because like the way that i'm talking about it is as if it's like it's a horrible endeavor it's really (laughs) not it's actually really good but i like that uh johnny gargano came out as captain america yeah that's really cool um it was kind of cheesy when Candice went up to him and gave him the crutch. Yeah, like, it's like kick his cr- ass. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is the crutch really that important now in this feud? Like, uh, you know. I, but either way, um, I love the fact that Champa still comes out to no music. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. He is the best heel in NXT, probably even in the roster because he genuinely gets heat. Oh, like, definitely. The fans do hate him. They call him an arsehole. They, you know, say all this horrible stuff to him. Um, so, well, speaking of that, there was that one guy uh, when they first started fighting in the crowd. He was like, oh you're God, the devil, yeah. Champa! I wrote that in my notes. I didn't know if anyone would have noticed that. But yeah, that bit, I genuinely laughed out loud yeah, when that happened. Yeah, it's so good. This just this mark of a man just like getting way too into it. You're the devil, Champa! <laughs> um, actually, speaking about that point in the match, that was uh, a really interesting spot because, like, it seems so. So, Champa, like, on. I don't know if he's been doing it recently, but, like, he normally, like, rips up, rips up the, the signs, Gargano yeah. signs. And it looked genuine like he couldn't rip this sign, so it was, like, a real thing. Yeah. And, like, then they get. <laughs> It, uh, I can't remember what happens, but Johnny Gargano gets a sign and he realize, he reveals that there's a stop sign. Yeah. So what he, what he's done, if you really think about this, is he's found this fan, made him go to this area and go, right, stay here because we're going to go through this part of the... Like, there had to have been so much planning involved for that spot to work in a kayfabe sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, either way, it was really funny. Um, the the spot after this though, where he does the jump. Oh, the the diving cross body. 
Oh my god, that yeah. was horrible. Just um, there was that's the thing. Like we could literally list off the the spots in this this match. I think like that's the thing. Even though it was kind of very spot heavy, like everything kind of had a a reason to be that way, rather than it just being spot 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 sort of thing. Like. Yeah. Every kind of element that they had kind of told a story and added to the story. Like even when with the kind of introduction of the weapons and like the one bit that I thought was really clever, which I didn't I don't know whether it was just didn't come across on, on telly as well, but when Champa started cutting away the apron to reveal the wood, like mm. my instant reaction as soon as I saw him getting the cutters and doing that I was like oh fuck sort of thing I think yeah. maybe because I've seen too much tournament of death but <laughs> but like it just didn't get the reaction live as I thought it, it it deserved kind of thing yeah yeah I can see that um <clears throat> yes um <clears throat> sorry uh it's it's weird to think that because obviously I, I I don't know whether or not it seems to be very prevalent on NXT TV, this feud. So I wonder how much fatigue the actual fans are of this. But then there are points in this whole match that were really over. So I can't think it's that. Maybe it's just like there were so many weapon spots in this match, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, there were so many spots. Like There was uh, one that really... It was pretty crazy where uh, Gargano has a chair over his neck. And oh, yeah, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, Champa throws him into the stairs. That was pretty cool. Yeah. The callbacks to Chicago were really interesting. I like them. Yeah, uh, that's what I was, I was just about to ask you, like, yeah. with, with that, obviously, because that was kind of the, the false finish I mentioned earlier that obviously bring, like, it started off with Champa kind of doing exactly what he did at the first Chicago, throwing him into that LED board. But then it was obviously Gargano that that kind of got the the better of it with that spot off. I don't even know what that kind of structure was, but through the through the tables, and yeah. then him sitting there, just how Champa sat there a year yeah. a year ago. I thought that was I thought it was really like I really enjoyed that. I like that a lot as well, you know, because uh, before that, Champa was teasing that he was going to put Gargano through the table, and um, he took uh, Gargano's wedding ring, I think it yes, was, yeah, and he spat on it and threw it into the crowd, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, um, and then yeah, so Gargano gets the advantage and then drops Ch- Champa through the tables, and he, like you were saying, he was sitting there much like Champa did when he first attacked him. And uh, this bit was a bit kind of cheesy for me, uh, where <laughs> Gargano seems to just remember that he hates Champa, or he like comes out of a, like a this you know daze or something. Yeah. He's like, hold on, I want to kill this guy. Let's go and find him. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, these guys are going, no, no, Gargano, don't, and they do nothing to stop him. But they he takes Champa anyway on the uh, the um, what are they call the stretcher. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying. To, I was thinking actually whether or not this is bit. This feels like a attitude era type spot. Yeah, where, it was a little bit. You know what I mean though. Yeah. 
so this bit was all cheesy. Uh, I kind of liked it though, um, but it led really interestingly into the finish, which I liked because at this point I think a lot of people were thinking, "Oh, Gagano's going to win," you know, you know, it's a, it's a you know one and done thing. Yeah. But uh, no, the finish was really, really unique. Very interesting. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and like going back to Nigel McGuinness kind of filling the uh, Ronello role, the when obviously Gargano started handcuffing Champa, like that you could tell like this was sort of getting to its conclusion because his commentary really ramped it up and he yeah. was sort of like going, like shouting, stop it, that's enough, blah, blah, blah. And those bits, this, I I was trying to watch how they did it and I fully think that Gargano was just fully kicking Champa in the chest because those super kicks, like yeah. I, I couldn't see any way that Johnny was like where he was slapping or anything. So it just looked brutal as hell. Um, yeah. and then obviously we had the the draping DDT onto the onto the wood and I thought it, <laughs> it was really funny how because obviously where Champa's arms were, were handcuffed behind him he always kind of had to like flop onto onto Gargano yeah. and just kind of look up at the ref and the, it's just like the the pure shock of the ref's face that this had happened was I thought was a nice little little touch as well and he was quite kind of forgot that he had to make the three count yeah yeah definitely um yeah i um i don't know whether or not i still think i prefer their last man stand is that what it was last man stand? Uh, i think it was an uns- just unsanctioned wasn't it oh okay unsanctioned i still think i prefer that yeah uh because i it, that felt like a definitive finish to the feud right yeah However, i get you however this it feels like they realise how much potential they still got in these two, so they decided to do this match. Uh, and like, you know, I think there were, for me, just personally, I just think there was more of a story in that first match. Yeah. Uh, this one was more of like greatest hits. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, but either way, it was uh, absolutely brilliant. Like these two are easily the best like workers in NXT I think um, I yeah you can't fault them like you know Champa's an amazing heel Gargano is someone you want to invest in he's a great underdog um, yeah yeah it's amazing perfect um, before we, we wrap things up has this got you excited for money in the bank or not in the slightest not at all I don't <laughs> less uh I'm trying to think of what even is on Money in the Bank. The one I'm morbidly curious about is Rousey versus Jack. Yeah, I think that's it. Because like I've been watching the feud from afar, and it honestly doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Yeah, um, uh, it, so. it is a bit bizarre. But I'm, as you say, I'm quite intrigued to see because obviously this is Rousey's first singles yeah, match. So true. Well, you... actually, you know what? I mean, I've signed up to the network anyway. I might as well. Might as well just watch it. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I heard rumours Ellsworth might be on the card. Of, no, really? The show. Yeah, they were. So I was hearing speculation that um, during. So Carmella's got a match, hasn't she? With. Has she? Ember, uh, Asuka, sorry. Asuka, yeah. So the 
the speculation was that he was going to make a run in to get Carmella the cheap win. You know, almost like how they brought in Great Carly for that one match. Yes, with, yeah. Or that. Uh, what's that? The Punjabi prison. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not sure how accurate that is. But yeah. either way, that'd be pretty cool. cool. Um, but yeah, I don't. See, like, I'm so fatigued from. After watching Dominion, and I've been trying to keep up with New Japan for so long, to try and jump back into WWE out of nowhere was kind of just like... Luckily with NXT, I, I'm i quite invested in it, and yeah. I follow it to an extent. However, with WWE, I'm like... Oh, you know, it's just hard <laughs> sometimes. I want to love it, but it's hard. Perfect. Well, as always, we'll, we'll end on our... Our highlight that wasn't sort of necessarily in a match. Um, I'm, I'm going to start go with two this time round. So okay. I've kind of already mentioned it, but Kyle O'Reilly just just absolutely loving life on on the way to the ring is yeah. is one aspect. But the other is an, another praise of Nigel McGuinness um, when uh, Tommaso Ciampa got no was it either Gar- Gargano or Ciampa got thrown over the announce table. And just yeah. fully wiped him out. Um, and when the camera pans round to where he was, he was literally just dead on the floor, like selling <laughs> like an absolute king. So yeah. yeah, they were my two highlights. What about you? Uh, highlights for me were probably, um, I think MVP for me anyway was definitely only looking for uh, yeah. that first match. I thought the first match was brilliant. Uh, one thing that I thought was really funny. This would be my other highlight. Was um, they were doing uh, uh, commercials for like a mobile app game where yes. you, it's like Candy Crush for wrestling, and like the the whole gimmick of the advert is Nakamura crotching the the logo of the advert. Yeah, <laughs> which I was like, that's his thing now. Like he just like like even in a CGI version of him, he's crotching. A logo. I just thought that was really <laughs> yeah. funny, um, but yeah, that uh, on a legitimate sense, I think uh, Only Lorkin was uh, my definite, definite MVP. Perfect. So all around a great show. Perfect, brilliant, Maz. Thank you as always for for joining me. We might discuss Money in the Bank tomorrow. We'll see how you feel. Yeah, I tell you what, I will keep you updated with uh, if I'm up. <laughs> uh, like yeah. one in the morning and I watch it but uh, either way uh, it was been, it's been great thanks for having me again perfect take it easy dude alright see you later mate see you later bye bye So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Maz for taking the time to have a chat to me about all things TakeOver. If you watched it, it was a bit good, wasn't it? Um, as we mentioned in the chat, I fucking loved that main event. It was just it was just everything that I love about wrestling. Um, I'm going to leave this outro very short. As I mentioned, we'll be back tomorrow for part two uh, with the Money in the Bank review. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to join in the conversation, let me know what you think of Money in the Bank, what you think about the show, whatever. Uh, join us over on Twitter. It's at just underscore and underscore insight. I'll put the handle in the description of this podcast. Um, so, yeah, make sure to check back for tomorrow for part two of this wrestling weekender. And I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.